Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. A fellow by the name of Anthony Bernardi at Medium.com um, is now being targeted by alt-right trolls on Twitter. Headline, I am currently the target of an alt-right harassment campaign. Thanks, Elon Musk. Wait, what? Elon Musk is to blame? Because you wrote a piece called Why Waking Up Early is Rooted in White Supremacy at your blog where you write about, quote, social justice and cooking. And somebody read what you wrote, recognized it for the lunacy that it is. And then people began to drag you and mock you because of your dumbassery. And that's Elon Musk's fault because he implemented a free speech policy. That's what this kid is writing about now. Or his latest, uh, yeah, yesterday. The power of social media is a blessing and a curse. It has given voices to the voiceless. Um, I don't think you could say voiceless anymore. I think you see those without voices, I think. The unvoiced, I believe. Um, connected people across the globe and allowed for the exchange of ideas like never before. However, with great power comes great responsibility. And sometimes that responsibility falls into the wrong hands. <laughs> like, so there are some people that you don't think should have free speech? Is that what you're saying? As an author on Medium, I have recently become the target of harassment by the alt-right on Twitter. A situation that has been exacerbated by the implementation of a free speech policy under Elon Musk's ownership of the platform. No, dude, uh, it's not the alt-right. It's not the alt-right. It's like, it's, it's like everybody. When you say that somebody posted, somebody set their alarm, you know, you, know uh, you can set your alarms on your phone, you know, and then you can label the alarm. You can label it. You can tag it. And so somebody, um, somebody sent a screenshot. It says 8 a.m., 8.20 p.m., like all their different alarms that they have. And then one's called hate crime. <laughs> because apparently if you wake up early and you say you're an early riser, that's white supremacy, according to Anthony Bernardi's blog post about this, where he, and this is not a joke. It, it's not satire. It's not a parody. He seriously attempts to make an argument that waking up early intersects with white supremacy. And the rationale he uses for this is kind of racisty. <laughs> it's kind of, like I'm not kidding. The stuff that he sent. Well, hang on a second. There was. Uh, hang on, I got I got emails. Gregory, I would say that if you don't think that minorities can get up early, they are not smart enough to get into UNC Chapel Hill, and they cannot succeed without extra help. Then you are the racist, right? 
That's what he's arguing. This kid is arguing that the intersection of white supremacy came about not because there wasn't electricity and you had to work sun up to sundown or anything like that. And it's not because of the Army's marketing materials. Let's say we get more done before 6 a.m. than most people do in a day. It's not that. No, no. It's slavery. It's slavery. And white people – and he makes up these these conversations – in his mind about what white people, the slave owners would say to the slaves about being productive and whether or not that they're lazy or not. And then this has become part of this larger narrative, this myth. He offers no proof of this, by the way. He just constructs this conversation in his mind. He says the stereotype has persisted and it continues to be perpetuated in various forms such as the, quote, model minority myth, which suggests that certain racial and ethnic groups are inherently more disciplined and successful than others. See, I would submit that that's more of a uh, cultural or societal attitude, almost um, more about where some, like the na- somebody's national origin. For example, I remember, um, well, now I'm, I want to say it's uh, I want to say it is Nigerian immigrants to America, but I don't remember if that's the specific country. But there's an African country that this group of migrants from this country, and I want to say it's Nigeria, but they are richer than any other <laughs> group of people in America as a class. Like they just like they they have a lot of wealth, but and because they they come here and like. They have a really good work ethic, and I would submit that comes from a national origin type of thing. There is a societal value, right? And here's the thing. If we know some things lead to better outcomes, why would you not want that to be part of whatever your societal uh, or your society values, let's say? Why wouldn't you teach the next generation the tools that work? I say it all the time when we talk about being successful, right? If you don't want to be poor or you want to get out of poverty, then you do three things. And unfortunately for GovCo and big staters, these aren't things that GovCo can do for you. But they are things, these are values that families can transmit to the next generation. And and even people, yes, who work in the school districts can transmit these values, these ideas, these three things. Number one. Have a job. Any job. Doesn't matter. Just have a job. Number two, graduate. And don't do a stupid senior prank. I'll throw that in there, too. That may prevent you from graduating, right? Okay. So that's it. Graduate. Get your high school diploma. And number three, don't have kids before you are married. And wait until after you graduate, you know, to get married. So you do those three things. The chances of you being in poverty are like single-digit percentages, tiny. tiny. It's not to say that that guarantees that you will not be in poverty, but the chances are way better that you're not going to be in poverty if you do those three things. Here's another one. Um, have goals, write them down, put a deadline on them, or, or horizon like you want to have a five-year goal, five-year plan, right? And when you do that, when you write them down, you're more likely to achieve them because you're seeing them. They're written. It becomes real when you write it down. But also tell people, and they will help you 
achieve your goals. Successful people will tell you these things. Why wouldn't you transmit that to the next generation too, right? Having a good work ethic. Growing up, that, that's what we were told. Like, if you're going to do something, do it well. Take pride in your work, right? That's not racial. That, it, it's not. There's no racial component to that. Why would you tell people that there is unless you're trying to excuse away poor performance? Oh, it's okay. You can't perform at this level because racism. It's not your fault. And no, it's not anybody specifically. We can't point to the racist who's making you wake up early or something, right? According to this kid. The idea that waking up early is a sign of a superior work ethic and a key to success serves to reinforce racial inequalities, he says. Like, not necessarily. If you wake up early and you go right to work and you go to bed early because you're waking up early, I mean, it's just a different schedule you're on. Waking up early in and of itself is indicative of nothing other than the time you wake up. Now, what are you doing with that time? Now, some people, your brain works differently, too, at different times of the day. There was, I remember reading a piece by a guy who said he used to work late. He would uh, stay late, and he would always get more stuff done, he said, because everybody was out of the office. But what he found was the stuff he was doing late in the day when everybody was gone was clerical administrative stuff, whereas he started then going in early. And so he would still have alone time at the workplace, but the mind is more creative earlier in the day. And so he's coming up with solutions to problems versus doing like filing at night. Does that make sense? So getting up early in and of itself is not indicative of a superior work ethic. This kid is projecting that onto early risers for some reason. But I will say that most successful people get, they, they don't sleep very long. I am envious of that. Like today, uh, I, I mean, I went to bed last night. It was almost midnight. I get up at five. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really tired today. I'm going to be crashing uh, tonight hard. I'll be probably falling asleep at like eight o'clock. <laughs> now, if I'm working second shift, then no, I can't, I cannot get up at 5 a.m. That's craziness. Right? This kid doesn't, he doesn't understand second shift either. He says, it places the blame for economic disparities on the individual rather than acknowledging the systemic barriers that hinder the success of marginalized communities. This is just, this is just word salad, right? This is just like that B.I. wokeism crap where you just have all of these terms, you just kind of jumble them around and put them all together and put a period at the end of it. And you're like, look at me. I'm so woke. <laughs> look at me. I, I know how to talk to people. No, you don't. This doesn't mean anything. This doesn't mean anything. You're just, he's just, he's just, he's just parroting these words. By promoting the notion that anyone can achieve success if they simply work hard and wake up early, it ignores the structural racism that has created and maintained these inequalities. Dude, if, if you work hard, no matter what time you wake up, if you work hard, chances are, yeah, you can achieve success. Why would you tell people otherwise? Do you not want them to succeed? Do you don't? Are you not wanting them to succeed because of their race? There's a word for that, kid. 
Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. I don't understand why we tell people not to do things that will make them successful. Why would you withhold that information? Why would you actively tell people the opposite? Is it that you're stupid or you think they are or you want them to be? Let me go over here and get Ralph on. Hello, Ralph. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ralph. Hey, hey Pete. Uh, you know, one other thing I would add to your list and everything, dream. Dream of the possibilities that the, God's given you the ability to do certain things, even if it's a small idea, and make it into reality. And don't let people tell you you can't do that. I think Rush Limbaugh used to say, you know, don't let people tell you you can't do it because you can't right. everything. Yes, there'll be challenges. Yes, there'll be hills to climb that are really steep. But in the end, self-confidence, if you believe in something and believe in yourself, you can do it. Right, they're telling you you can't do it because they couldn't do it. That, that all, Why would you listen to people who didn't get it done, right? They obviously didn't know how to get it done, so they're going to tell you that they couldn't get it done. Whatever. Um, the other thing is what you're describing is what, um, what's his face, Napoleon Hill wrote in the book on Carnegie, right? Was the How to Win Friends and Influence People and all that. I think is that, right? Yeah, the, 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 the secret to the success is visualize Visualize yourself doing the thing that you want to do. And when you visualize it, it becomes more real. You, you, you have an image in your head on how to be successful and what that looks like. And that's why a lot of times when people achieve their success that they visualized, it's not really a surprise to them because it was already real in their head. Well, and another thing, Pete, if you're the type of person that gets self-gratification and accomplishing things, I don't care if it's little things, then you might look inside yourself and you might be the person to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Because you, there's a self-satisfaction of once you accomplish something to keep on doing it. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it, I encourage people to try. You have an idea, try it. Um, I started, you know, when I did the podcast, I it was I started my own business, and it, I tell people this all the time. It was like a switch flipped. Uh, I I can't describe it any other way, but I looked at things differently from then onward. Um, it's just it's a whole different mindset where you wake up every morning and you're like, uh, and this kid may not have had that switch flipped, you know, where you wake up in the morning, and you're like, am I gonna am I gonna get paid today? Well, I got to work, you know. Uh, it's it's a it's sort of that hunter mindset, I think. Um, and a lot of people who are just employees for their entire lives will never know what that feels like. And 
I encourage people to feel it, to try it, just to experience it. Uh, and it may not be for everybody, you know. But, uh, Ralph, I appreciate – yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cut him off. I had to – I got to run, though. Uh, I appreciate the call, Ralph. The, you know, the other thing is that um, life is difficult. And a lot of these kids think that – and I say kids. I mean, this, this guy, this writer, this blogger, I think, I think that there's this belief out there that, uh, that life isn't hard. But it is. It's really hard. It's painful. For a lot of people, there are, there are troubles. Uh, there are obstacles. It's not fair. Life's not fair, right? And it is a race against death that we all lose. And that stinks, yes. But we're all working off the same script here. So, you know, you try to make the most of it. And you try to get the best out of it. And, you know, hopefully you've got faith in a world beyond this. But I don't know. There's like, I just, I read these pieces from this kid. He's like dismantling the white supremacist roots of the early rising narrative. It's essential to challenge the idea that waking up is inherently virtuous and indicative of success. Who has said that? Who says that waking up equals success? Waking up early equals success. It doesn't. Not necessarily. If you're going to bed at 1 a.m. and getting up at 3 a.m., I don't think you're going to be successful. All right, hey, real quick. It is estimated that more than 6 million Americans have Alzheimer's. It affected my family. My grandpa had it. New research and treatments are showing promise, but there's still a long way to go. So can you help me by supporting the Alzheimer's Association's Western Carolina chapter? The Family Dance Party Charlotte's on June 10th from 1 o'clock until 5 o'clock. It's at the Roxbury Nightclub in Uptown Charlotte. Go to Mix1079.com and get tickets and come bust a move on the dance floor or donate tickets to a family that's battling the disease. The Family Dance Party is presented by Jameson Realty. Again, if you can help us out, I appreciate it. Go to Mix1079.com and thank you for considering the request. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Why waking up early is rooted in white supremacy. So posits Anthony Bernardi at medium.com. <laughs> Get some emails and messages here. Uh, but, 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 but this is from, ah, sorry, on Twitter, at Pete Callender. It's a Pete tweet. A couple, actually, from Monica. Apparently, learning is white supremacy, and the only thing that doesn't seem to be white supremacy is weed. Interesting. Interesting. At Patriot Girl says, this is what comes from participation trophies. <laughs> uh, this kid says, educating oneself and others about the historical and social contexts that have shaped the early rising narrative. <laughs> it's early rising narrative. Like, this is a kid that really just wants to sleep in, I think. Says it can help raise awareness about its racial implications. Acknowledging the cultural diversity in sleep patterns and work schedules is another important step towards dismantling these harmful stereotypes. Dude, like, here's the thing. When I worked in restaurants, it was all night work. Yeah, it was all night. You would go in at 4 o'clock and you wouldn't get off until like 11, 12 o'clock at night. Yeah, and then, you know, you would go out afterwards, meet people up at the bars, but if they were, you know, working 9 to 5, they wouldn't be out very late working in media. Like, this um, last decade, this is the last, so for the last 10 years, that's the first time that I ever held a job that was daylight hours. <laughs> I was always working nights and weekends and holidays and everything else. 
in radio, that's what you did. And before that, I worked in restaurants, and that's what you did. Creating a more inclusive and equitable society involves redefining our understanding of productivity and success. This means recognizing that there are various ways to be productive and that the traditional 9-to-5 work schedule may not be the best fit for everyone. Like, he's so close to discovering second shift work, I think. But what's amazing is, like, dude, there are people, you have to do the work during the daylight. If you're working outside, like, what, what, what is this... What is this kid's experience doing any kind of work that's not, like, at a computer, right? It's just amazing. It really is. The comments, um, well, now this could explain it, actually. Uh, this guy used chat GPT to help write this article. <laughs> so it's not, maybe that's it. Yeah, he just typed in something like, waking up early is white supremacy, and then, like, the AI chatbot thing wrote the whole article maybe i don't know yeah it's just it's amazing um oh and part of los angeles's gender equity action plan is a a light post and uh there's and then there's like this little 24 inch wide uh metal shade that like sticks out from the top yeah, I'm trying to describe it. You really, I mean, you got to see it to understand it. It's a pole, and at the top of the, it's like, I don't know, 15 feet high, and at the top of the pole, it kind of sticks out a little bit, like at an angle, and it's like a plate, and so it creates this visor look, and under the visor is a light, so you can wait for the bus, and there will be light on you, and you'll be standing underneath this little this it's not it's like 24 inches wide across and then it's maybe only like 12 inches deep it it looks like the flip down it's like the flip down visor in your car that's what it looks like except it's metal and it's got holes in it and that's the shade so you can stand there at this bus stop cuz it had so <laughs> I'm not kidding it's just a pole so you, they they're attaching this thing to the bus stop pole it's for sidewalks that are thin Right, so the sidewalks are so thin that they can't build a bus shelter there. So they're going to give you this little pole, and it has a little light on it, and then it has this little visor, and so you can stand under that visor, and you can be in the shade. And this is part of their gender equity action plan. (laughs) I'm not kidding. This is an actual story. From LAStreetsBlog.org, the City of Los Angeles Transportation Department, or LADOT, LADOT, held a press event to reveal La Sombrita. That's the name of it. They named it La Sombrita, a pilot bus stop structure designed to offer shade and lighting. It was widely ridiculed, yes. LaDot describes La Sombrita as a new design that allows shade structures to be installed more quickly and at a lower cost and is the result of LaDot's survey of women who rely on transit and requested more shade and lighting. I don't understand. Like, I could totally throw a whole bunch of shade at them for free. I don't even... I don't even know what they're asking for. The design process was led by a nonprofit called Kaunkui. Kaunkui. Design Initiative, KDI. K 
KDI, which notes that La Sombrita 1.0 was designed within the existing design regulations to establish a baseline of what is possible, which is apparently not much. Um, it is designed to work in all the places where traditional bus shelters are not feasible, such as narrow sidewalks. What is remarkable about this story is that this is under their gender uh, equity action plan. I'm going to get to that. But what's also amazing is that this is necessary because of GovCo in the first place. <laughs> this is right. So they were tasked with developing this. So like they wanted it to be low cost to require no permits, right? So to avoid the red tape, to avoid going through the government approval process that they set up, right? Government set up these regulatory processes. So now they brought in the nonprofit to figure out, okay, now how do you avoid the regulatory regime, right? And you got to do, it could be rapidly implemented. They cost less than $10,000 each. That is design, fabrication, and installation. Um, if future versions get mass produced, then the per unit cost is going to be lower. And they say it takes like 20 minutes to install it. It doesn't need any kind of coordination with any other department. You just slap those bad boys up. Uh, and you know me, I'm a giver and I'm all about solutions. So just spitball in here. Have an idea? Trees. Huh? Hmm? Huh? Trees. You could plant a tree right there. And the tree is going to get bigger than that little visor. So you could actually maybe get two people shade under a tree. Mm-hmm. Mayor Karen Bass called the pilot a, quote, good step towards increasing the accessibility of our city's public transportation system, noting that improvements like Sombrita will make our neighborhoods safer, healthier, and more livable. Did you know a shade could do that? A simple visor on a pole could make a neighborhood safer. I guess from the skin cancer, maybe? I don't know. More livable. All that's required is for the, for the sun's position not to change. Because if the sun's position changes... Well, then the shade's going to change. It's going to, like, if the sun moves around to the other side, it's going to be, the shade's going to be out in the middle of the road. So luckily, sun positional changes not factored in. I don't see this thing as anything other than a smashing success for GovCo. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items. From modern tactical gear to historical collectibles, Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Final segment here of the program on this Monday. News Talk. Oh, I already did that. I already gave you the call letters. I'll give them to you again. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, so 
Can a solar light attached to a flimsy, narrow strip of Swiss cheese metal attached to bus stop poles really make much difference for L.A. bus riders? No and yes. It's important to acknowledge that the Sombrita project is an attempt to address some very real issues. About three-fourths of L.A. bus stops lack bus shelters. Bus shelter distribution is tied to advertising revenue, meaning... Well-off neighborhoods get more than their share of shade and lighting. Well-off neighborhoods. Because they have bus shelters. Because they can sell advertising on the walls of the bus shelter. Okay. But you know what well-off neighborhoods probably don't have? Bus riders. (laughs) Right? What am I missing here? <laughs> I mean, uh, like, why would you want your message to be, I guess, for people that drive past the bus shelter and they see the advertising as they whiz past it or something? I don't know. It's L.A. Maybe while you're sitting in traffic and you can see the bus shelter advertising. I don't know. Um, about three-fourths of the bus stops lack shelters um, because it's tied to the advertising revenue. And uh, while many riders in low-income communities of color wait standing in the hot sun, lots of bus stops in older, population-dense communities of color are located on sidewalks that are too narrow for standard city bus shelters. Women and gender minorities riding transit face significant issues. Because men don't. Men, as we all know, as a dude, I can tell you, we are immune uh, to the sun. Okay, the sun does not, uh, we do not feel heat when the sun is out shining. It doesn't matter, 90, 100 degrees, doesn't matter. Don't feel it, don't get sunburned, nothing. Um, It's women and gender minorities facing significant issues. Also, what's a gender minority? I'm unclear. What is a gender minority? There are two. I know what you're going to say. No, no, Pete. There are like 72 genders. No, no, there aren't. Because, and you, we know that there aren't because when somebody gets the affirmation surgery, it's just the opposite of the one that they have. There isn't like, there, there aren't 70 different operations, right? <laughs> that people turn themselves into. So, right. It's but to get affirmed, quote unquote, or denied, you, you, yeah, you just, Take the one that you're not. So it's actually a very binary choice. No? Yes. Okay. So I, I'm unclear what that means. But that being said, the author of this piece over at uh, L.A. Street blog, Joe Linton, says, uh, La Sombrita still feels inadequate. Higher frequency bus service would mean less waiting, which would do a lot more to get riders out of the heat than any kind of shelter or shade. Hmm. You raise an interesting point. More buses means less wait time, less waiting in the hot sun. Hence, no need for the shade. Although I do think that probably would cost more than just the $10,000 for the post and the shade and the visor and the light. He also says... Los Angeles does not allocate enough road space to walkable sidewalks because so much space is given over to drivers. Wider sidewalks would accommodate shelters, trees, and buffer space from loud, polluting car traffic. Right, well, 
Once again, why are the sidewalks built as they are built? Because the government had specifications and people built based on those specs. And so here again, another example of a solution to a problem created by the government. Los Angeles does not install enough actual bus shelters. Um, La Sombrita uh, pilot poles here are installed now through mid-August for a three-month evaluation. And as long as the sun doesn't change the position, I expect a smashing success here. Um, Speaking of smashing, I saw this story. This is a Queen City News. The owner of a place in town here called the Artisan's Palate. I think they do exercises. No, it's palate. All right. Anyway. Krista Soka is her name, and uh, she and her staff walked into an ugly scene Saturday morning. Photos posted up on the gram show a nearly smashed front door and a broken garage door window. Soka said it happened late Friday night, just hours before her biggest event of the month. She immediately called authorities. Um, she says, uh, so when they got here, we cleaned up. There was glass everywhere. Uh, We haven't even looked at the videos yet. So hopefully we caught this. Whoever, you know, there was a lot of damage. Why? Well, all right. What what are they chalking this up to? Automatically assumed. This is a no-da. That it had, that it was related to the, the drag brunch that they were holding the next day. So in her mind, she shows up. There's a smashed, like it looks like somebody took a mallet and whacked the front door. And because there's like this broken glass there, they didn't get an entry. And the garage door window, and I guess it's one of the top, you know, windows at the top of the door. One of those got broken. Rather than assume it was probably some drunk person walking home from the bars and committing some act of vandalism. Her initial thought is call the cops. Number two, post onto Instagram. Number three, do media interviews. Number four, tie it to the drag brunch, and then maybe get around to checking out the video. Something tells me this is misprioritized.